0: If you're just starting out, that can be a problem sometimes because you're trying to figure out how involved am I and how involved do I want to be with this? Uh, because it can consume you and, and that can be great, but then sometimes that doesn't fit around your lifestyle.
1: Welcome to the Flying Fruit Pub platform dedicated to the exploration and discussion of art and the creative process. I am your host and the creator, Aaron S, and today's episode is the first part of a two-part interview with the artist Alex Beeston. Alex is an artist from the UK, whose work blurs the lines between fine art and illustration. Creating large, detailed images that take months to create, Alex works in an unplanned manner, opting to use his intuition to figure out how the work will progress. Taking inspiration from a wide range of sources, he has created his own world through his art. I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Alex, and I really hope you enjoyed it too. So, first place to start—start start with everybody—is tell us a bit about yourself and how you became an artist.
0: Uh, well, I—I could—I guess you could say I came into it a little bit later. Well, I don't know if there is a time for anyone to become an artist. Uh, so I started my academic life around when I was about 34 and I just I mean I'd, I'd, I'd been a gardener for years traveled did this did that and um, I just walked into a college one day and said what courses do you have and they said oh you you should go to the university down the road and um, so I did and then they said well you need to do an access course so that's sort of how I started on my journey um, how I started uh, my journey. I mean, I've always wanted. I always was an artist. You know, it, it, for me, it felt like something that I kind of didn't choose. Yeah. Um, it was always there, and 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 then I was I would just earn money to do other things. I guess I don't know how much of a similar story that is to most other people. Uh, but yeah. So then I did my BA. At The University for the Creative Arts in Farnham, which was um, it was a really good place. It's quite far out in the countryside, about ten miles south of Guildford. Um, it was a very sort of, I would say, it was a conceptual kind of course um, for what I'd like to do. Um, but yeah, um, that was really good. And then I met some really great tutors. Who um, just inspired me to keep going and just go on to more courses, and then I ended up at the Royal College, which I am at currently.
1: Okay. Um, um, yeah. Oh yeah, that's cool. Well, do you think that education is important to be an artist? Um,
0: it depends what sort of artist you want to be. I guess it depends what sort of person you are, um, because. I come across this um, this quite a lot that I'm I'd, I'd saying most of the general public may not even really understand what being an artist involves on, on that level, um, so it's like I spend a lot of time trying to explain to people what it is I do sometimes. Um, it can be good, it can be, it, it's good for the way that it can inform you uh, because I think you have to be informed about, for me, like key things, philosophy. I mean, and uh, that's that's a main, that's some of the one of the main things that education brought me is like uh, meeting some tutors and some real grounding in uh, the major themes of philosophy. Uh, so I would say it's not essential, but I would say it's. Um, create some really interesting art that's where you're going to meet people that are going to inspire you to go to that, that level that you 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 kind of want to be
1: yeah i was going to say do you think that the um community you get from going to university and having you know being around like-minded people who want who kind of want the same thing is kind of helpful to you to your development
0: oh yeah i mean that that i would say the structure of the the structure of the university these days um because it's grounded in a lot of fees and the bureaucracy of how it's run i would say the most important part is um meeting the community and um, meeting the people that eventually you're going to go on to do shows with podcasts um one of my uh one of my visiting tutors um has uh, brought me into to do exhibitions and we still talk and he looks at my work so it's very much an ongoing community that you that you connect with and i guess you will never lose that um so that's the for me that's the most important thing about university i mean we've, we've been having this conversation I, I was involved with an exhibition recently when one of my old tutors um his name's uh, jj chan he um he, he just curated this exhibition for Block Projects in Sheffield, um, and it was called What Do We Know Anyway? And it was all about bringing the community of artists together and sort of thinking about how we would restructure the university or the way that we um, go about uh, thinking about the systems that we're all involved in, because um, the... The time in COVID has sort of thrown up a lot of issues and a lot of problems where we realized that sometimes the way that the universities are structured these days is not um, is not most of the time to the best interests of the artist. It's turned into a business, okay. so and the business model sometimes generally doesn't support the the artist rather than it supports the institution. So we're trying to work around ways to change that but by having discussions about things. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's an ongoing battle, I think. Of one that I've only kind of just been aware of as by getting to the
1: RCA and realising
0: how the system actually works.
1: But I think that's really good that particular universities themselves are kind of um, self-reflecting upon what they can do to help. Because, you know, you're right, it has... Universities have become a business, and it, it seems kind of a bit of a shame to you know people who go to university for one thing and they realise that's actually not what they're going to get out the you know the three four five years they're there for uh, because like and also arts are really a very kind of loose subject. It's not something that you can necessarily you can teach somebody how to create art and how to draw and how to paint, but you can't teach them how to be an artist because you know there's a lot more things involved with just the creation of the work. You know, um you know business, for instance, you don't get taught a lot of that. You know so, I think it's good that they're self reflecting. I think that's quite interesting to hear.
0: Yeah, I um, I would say, yeah, that a lot of being an artist is a lot of admin. Yeah, <laughs> you don't you kind of don't realize that you sort of have this idea in your head when you start out that I uh, you know, like the romanticized yeah. version of the artist. Uh, and uh, a lot of people, I mean, you can come up images of like Francis Bacon sitting in his studio. Um, but I mean, I would say the modern artist it's, it's, it's a struggle of admin and, and, uh, exposure and that whole, I mean, I guess this is one of the things that we were talking about as well, like trying to support other artists. So it's, um, so it's less of a hamster wheel of, uh, exhibition, uh, admin, exhibition admin. So you always feel like you're chasing that sort of, um. You're being in, in within the system of that that, um, that sort of gallery system, um, which can be hard and can be demoralising sometimes.
1: But you were saying about demoralising, which is kind of an interesting word to use, because one of my questions for you is like, how do you value yourself as an artist, and how do you find the confidence to create work?
2: Um,
0: I value. I mean, I value it as something that I, I kind of have to do. Um, and I guess that's always been the way. And I always created work, even when I wasn't within the, the actual main system. Um, so, I mean, I guess it's something that I'm always going to do and I always will do, even if I'm outside of the system. And I was having a conversation with my friend the other day um, and she was saying that she wants to be within the system, so the the, the whole gallery system, so that she can reject it so she can she can understand it and then reject it. because yeah. i'm i i have got to the point where i'm i'm kind of want, i'm kind of wanting to find new ways to be an artist without being in, within that system so i guess i value my work um uh to be sort of outside i want i, I would like it to be outside of that main system where it's um like i'm creating some sort of legacy for myself in a way because i i mean i my project um i sort of realized that if i wanted to make any sort of impact or i wanted to make sense to myself i would have to um continue to make a body of work that run along the same theme for quite a few years yeah um and then and then that that um that creates interest for me and I feel, um, I feel that's how I get my my worth because it's it's like it becomes sort of like your life, like that that set of ideas. It's now it feels part of me, and every time I talk about it, I've got so many different ideas attached because I think I'm very much an artist that likes to tell a
1: story. See, that's also something I was going to ask you later. I was going to ask you now is about kind of separating the art and the artist. Um, because I think for a lot of people, art, being an artist can be a lifestyle. You know, you can become very heavily consumed by what you create. And it's like, do you like to set a boundary between the two? Or are you happy to kind of not really have a boundary there?
0: Um, I don't think there is a boundary for me. I guess I've always kind of, re- I don't know, it's a tough question to answer. I don't, because I make my art, I don't know if there's anything such a what work- Thing as honest art but i make it in a way um i, I make it with without the sense of oh this is for something like yeah, i i make it because i'm I'm, pers- I'm making it for myself and then everything else is kind of secondary so sorry repeat the
1: question <laughs> um what was the question that's a good point <laughs> it was about uh, boundaries the boundary between being that Artist, oh, yeah. yeah.
0: So, yeah. So for me, I would say there isn't. But I, I mean, I, I I, feel like sometimes that's where it can, uh, for an artist, if you're just starting out, that can be a problem sometimes because you, you're trying to figure out how involved am I and how involved do I want to be with this? Uh, because it can consume you. And and that can be great, but then sometimes that doesn't fit around your lifestyle. Uh, for me, I think you it has to be part of you. Um, yeah, so I, would say I don't. I I personally don't have a boundary. You obviously has to be, have a boundary because you feel like it's a schizophrenic affair sometimes. Anyway, because <laughs> uh, sometimes you have to do jobs on the side you have to be this other person and then you have to be the artist um so there's boundaries in that sense
1: oh well literally literally once i've gone through all these questions that will be enough um <laughs> so the question i was going to ask you later but i'll ask you now because it makes more sense in terms of what you've just said is that do you think that an image is better if it's more personal to the artist
0: um for me, it has to be. I don't think you, I don't think you can create good art unless there is some sort of, um, I mean, whether you, sometimes whether you know it or not, it has to be personal, um, because then it's going to come from a place like we were talking about honesty earlier in that sense of like, it, it's an honest piece of work. If that's, it's something like a, it's a passionate, um, it's a passionate thing. it's like as you become an artist I mean for me I've, I, I switch and vary styles um, and I found when I was younger I would just like oh get a canvas and I, I could create uh, some abstract art but it's like do, am I really creating art or am I just um, I think one of my old students used to call it um, it's not about having happy hands. So you can just go, oh, I really love this. I can just paint. I mean, and I could do that all day. I could create an abstract, fat hundreds every day. It doesn't actually mean anything. Um, and I have a thought about it. And, and what's what's the point of making? Um What's the point of making anything if it's not personal? Because it feels, to me, like a waste of time. Um Although I can create things that look pretty, it's, I, I don't know if there is a point. So, yeah, it has to be personal for me. Uh, but not everyone does it that way, but, and I guess, and I feel, if you are an artist, you can, you can see that. You can see what's real and what's not. And, but, I and mean, obviously you have to talk to the artist, but, um, it's, I don't know, it's hard to say because I wouldn't want to put down anyone's vision, because someone could really be, uh, really love what they do and what they create, but, um, yeah.
1: Do you think that being an
0: artist? Sorry, no. Go on. I was going to say it's a tough question to answer because everything's kind of subjective to the person.
1: So, do you think that being an artist gives you a different perspective on the world than people who aren't?
0: Uh, Yeah, definitely. Um, It kind of. (laughs) I. I mean, I sort of. This is this is something that it's completely changed me as a person. Because I I come from um, a place where I didn't really know anyone who was an artist. Uh, I wasn't ever exposed to that world. Um, And the closest I came to it was my friend who was a philosopher. Um, And then when I got exposed to uh, life at a university um, and realised what art was about, and art history, and and the the levels and the depths that it can go to, now I kind of, that's the way I think now. So then it's hard to go back and have a conversation with someone that I may have known uh, 20 years ago because now I'm a completely different person. So it sort of consumes me on a day-to-day basis about, oh, I'll be like, like, you you tend to, I tend to see things in that way now. So it has changed me completely, yeah.
1: And do you think that there needs to be a bit more education about like kind of the arts and, and kind of being an artist and kind of what it means to be an artist?
0: Uh, I don't know. I guess I, I would say uh, everyone's, I would say everyone's different because you can go to the levels that you want to. I mean, there's different branches of, of interest. I mean, you like I said, you can be that Sunday painter. Um, who, who likes to paint the canals, which is some of the best art that came out of it, uh, comes out of doing these simple tasks. Oh, then you can be the conceptualized that um, screws up a ball of paper and puts it on, I mean, and then that would go to the level of, um, that, the levels where some people will not understand. They were like, oh, it, it, it can, it kind of sort of, um, Puts up a barrier of maybe this intellectual thing that has to be explained to be understood, uh, but where most people can just look at a painting and go, "Oh, I appreciate that." Whether they know know the depth to which the artist has gone to paint it, it can still be understood rather than the conceptual side that sometimes has to be explained. Uh, it's, I do uh, you, yeah, it's, it, I guess it's like that. It's. it's It's the levels that you want to go to understand it yourself Um, because it's fine if you don't want to understand it, you just want to enjoy looking at something or you can really delve into the art history and the, um, I mean, pop art, for instance, it's a very, very deep subject if you actually want to get to the roots of why people make it. But a lot of people find it like this adversarial subject, like, Oh, they either love it or they hate it, or and a lot of that comes out of whether they understand all it's about,
1: I think. Yeah, that's actually a really good point, actually. And I like the fact you said that you know, if people don't understand it, then that's actually not a problem, as opposed to being like, oh, people have to understand it. Um, I think that's actually quite interesting.
0: Yeah, I, um, I, and you come across this a lot as well. And you can't be, I feel, as an artist, you may understand it, but I guess it's people if people want to understand it they will and it's not your job to force them to take a position on something um and i guess once you've made your work it's it's up to them to interpret it anyway and you can only give them guidelines
1: yeah absolutely i mean and also you, could, you would kind of want the ambiguity so that people kind of have to look into the work to see what it's about, as opposed to just, you know, okay, that is a painting of a, of a tree. Okay, cool, walk away. You know, you want kind of the grab, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, because I, the way I, I mean, I struggle with this a little bit because uh, primarily I, I was obsessed with drawing. And I wanna, I've always wanted to blur the boundaries between what people consider as fine art and what is illustration. Yeah. Because I generally don't think there is, um, I don't, I like to think that there really isn't a barrier. It's, it's all about the ideas and what images you're creating. Um, so I like to, I've, I've, like my whole life, I, I sort of battle against this thing where people go, people have this idea in their head of the standard, what is fine art? And, and for them, it's like we go back to that conversation where we were talking about, um the artists in the studio that romanticized the view of what the artist is and i guess a lot of people have this um this idea of what fine art is and what and what it's supposed to look like um and this is why you see a lot of for me you see a lot of abstract paintings in the galleries and, and, and so like in the in the mayfair galleries and all, uh like figure drawings which hark back to like um, renaissance paintings so it's very hard for someone like me to i would say maybe get in like the style i have is not what people would consider fine art even though maybe it crosses more boundaries than they would consider so it's almost like trying to explain um explain your work in a way that they understand it, but it's still not going to look the way that they want it. So there's this preconceived notion of what people think fine art is. And I guess I'm always kind of uh, trying to uh, battle and change people's preconceptions about what they think it actually is. Which is quite hard.
1: (laughs) That's really a good starting point for for your work because it gives you like a purpose of what you're trying to achieve. You know, you've got something that you're you know, you feel strongly about it. You're like, hey, this is really what I want, to, I want to achieve. And it's actually quite nice to think because it's like, it could actually have a, such a, a good, huge impact for other people further on as well. It's not just you creating good looking work that people are going to want to buy. It's like, oh, actually, how can I change people's perceptions? And how can I kind of merge the two worlds of finite and illustration together to create, you know, some kind of hybrid finite illustration that, that kind of shadows both borders, but also isn't either. You know, I, I like that. I think that's clever. And looking at your work, I think it's very, very fascinating. So let's get into your work. So for those that are made up seeing it, would you like to describe your work?
0: Um. So I would say, I I was in. I mean, I've I come from a background where I'm very much into illustrators. Um, like one of my one of my I don't know, I don't like to say hero because that sounds, but one of, one of the people that I greatly admire is, uh, Gustave Doré, uh, he's a French illustrator, um, from the 1800s. And he was like the most well-known illustrator in, he was the most well-paid, illustrator in France at the time. He, he made, um, he illustrated things uh, like the Bible and Dante's Inferno. Uh, he's very classical. Yeah, I mean, I'd say even if most people don't know his name, they would know his work. So it's like kind of that pictorial style. And he, he a lot, he did this. The reason I'm saying this is because my tutor in school gave me a book of his, and from that very moment, looking at his work, I was sort of hooked on that. Um, Explaining the scene of what it is, so he came to London and he he, um, he created drawings uh, which people would say was uh, very much um, Dickensian in London, and he kind of knew Dickens. So he, so I would say my work comes from a place of 21st century me, like trying to kind of do what what Dore did, but for the future as well. I want to try and explain my work in a in a sort of it's it's it has to be a story, but I I'm basing it in the future, but maybe not in the future, it's um it's from another place that could exist. So so and then I'm sort of playing out all of the contradictions of the time that we live in within a pictorial style that can be read as a drawing. Um so it's very. I spend a lot of time at my uh, drawing desk, like hours. Like some of my drawings to take six months, so it's, um, it's very much me immersing myself in that, um, and and I kind of live in the world, uh, but I never I never pre-plan it. So I, it's um, yeah. I I guess that if that's the simplest way I could explain it. I want to be. The door a of the 21st century, like trying to explain uh, that sort of that crossover, trying to tell a story.
1: Yeah, because I've seen, you know, like on your Instagram, for instance, you know, the kind of behind the scenes of you creating your work, um, and really like the amount of, of incredible detail and just the amount of time it takes for you to create, you know, such work. Like it's, it's. Um, I actually sent it to a, a friend of mine who's a fellow that artist who who loves that kind of work. I sent it to her because I know she'd love it and she actually does like it. So it's all good. But like yeah. it's it's oh, nice. it's really it's, it's the least I can do. It's just it was like really incredible. And I was i was just really amazed just by you know the you know just the size of it and also just you know just the amount of detail, just you know, just the complexity of it. And I think I wonder if you can speak to that in terms of like, did you ever like worry that maybe your images might be too busy? Or is that the whole point?
0: Um you know i don't think about it it's not something that i think about i don't i don't because then i think you're gonna get lost in thinking what people want to see Uh and then you're creating and then you end up creating art for other people um and then so i yeah i mean because i always have this idea in my head that i think sometimes art's made to too easily and too quickly these days people sometimes well not well, not these days but some some artists like they've done it like oh they can do a painting in a day oh it's finished for me it has to be an immersive experience right? and i always have in the back of my head like is it enough uh is is it enough for me to just say um i think it comes from doing so many works but after a while, I get to the point where I really want to dig in and create something that's, that I'm going to look back on and think, yeah, you know what? I actually, that was worth my time. And, you know, and and I I guess it always comes in, it always seems to come out in a way that I find that I'm happy with if I spend the time. Um, for me, because, uh, yeah, because then I... It's it's more enjoyable for me as well. Um, it, I I don't know. It's kind of an addictive experience to to look back and almost not even remember when when you started. It's and it, and it became, it and, and the one with the, with the city that I did the part of the approximation series got quite painful towards the end. Um, where it was like I was six months in and I was thousands of dots. But there's sort of like uh, that, um, I don't know if it's a kind of like punishment <laughs> in a way. You know, like you, it's like that ritual. You punish yourself because you, when when you start it, it was, you kind of, you have to put to the back of your mind, like, how long is this is going to take me? Because if you start thinking, oh my God, this is a lot of work, um, then you, you lose the passion for doing it. Uh, so yeah in a roundabout way I would say that's uh...
1: so it reminds me of a Instagram live I watched uh, a while ago from um, as a, a account called Paint Guide I don't know if you've heard of it um, and in it they went to a studio with a graffiti artist called Voider and one of the pieces he had in his studio was this really really hyper realistic huge long canvas of, of balloons um, and it, and he said that he started it six years ago and he hasn't finished it. He's nowhere near finishing it. And he probably never will because he underestimated how long it's going to take him to do. Um, and, that, yeah. and it looks amazing just like half finished. Well, it's probably like a, mm. a tenth finished, but it looks amazing. But it's like, I guess you have to kind of really plan ahead because particularly if you're doing something that's detailed, it's like it is going to take time. Um, and you want to make sure you're not rushing because obviously the smallest mistake you make is going to affect the whole picture at the end of the day.
0: Mm. Yeah, I um, I don't ever plan my work. I it's like a living um for me. I mean, I always say this. Uh, someone sort of explained this to me. Um, uh, this idea that it's like archaeology for me uh, on a page. Um, and I've sort of stolen that phrase uh, because because uh, it was so it makes so much sense to me because the way that I start it, it's. It starts with an idea sort of roughly in my head. And then, and then as what I'll do is I'll consume myself with um, science, documentaries, what I watch a lot of um, Royal Institution lectures on YouTube about quantum mechanics or anything that's on the, the, the day. And then I kind of mix that with a bit of pop culture. I mean, I'm kind of really interested. Um, someone said to me that they see which I I love Robert Crumb and I always have done the illustrator in the 60s and they saw that in my work and I was like wow that they actually saw that because it's not an intentional thing that I put any because it's not the same style but it's got that sort of that that um illustrative cartoon style to it um and I was quite happy that they picked that out after all the stuff and I thought because it's not really there but um so it becomes, so the process, I, I'll be watching something and go, like, Oh, that's a great idea. So that will inform the next section and the next section. And then I'll just find myself thinking about it throughout the day, no matter what I'm doing. So I'm doing some work somewhere else. And then that's all, I'll be how it slowly builds to the end. So I never ever plan it because if I plan it too much, uh, it gets stale for me. Uh, and I like to create it. So. I can look back at it now and I'm still putting together the story in my own head, no matter how many times I look at it, it can still fit.
1: So that's like super curious because I don't know of anybody who, who works in that in that way. That's really fascinating. And also it, it must be, I'm just trying to think, like that must be very kind of, it must be quite fun for you because, you know, it's like you can be informed by anything, like anything you're going to see. So your work is more reactionary than planned i think that's actually quite interesting because even you don't know what time it's going to take yeah and i I like
0: to mix um i might i like to mix the figurative with the abstract as well um not always but i guess it 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 takes that form anyway just by the fact that i do it in this sort of organic uh, exploratory way then it could never be too structured because i don't even know what's going to up next so i mean it's it's um i don't i don't know if sometimes when i say this it sounds a bit too arrogant but it always seems to work out i don't know if that's just because i like my own work or it's just like i get to the point where i was like actually you know that was a really good idea <laughs> uh it always seems to just form
1: I think that's really great to hear that I think it's it's about time that that artists kind of were a bit more proud of what they do and not so shy of being like you know I actually like this because you know I put the time and effort into it and I think that's actually one of the biggest kind of um, setbacks with a lot of artists is that they don't have the confidence to say you know look, I did this and it's, it's worth something and it's and it's good and I like it.
0: I tried to um, I tried to say that to uh, people that I know that are a bit younger than me because I do know. Um, it can be quite art can be like quite an anxious space to live in to try and create stuff and put it out in the world. Sometimes, yeah. uh, depending what depending on your personality, but you you come across that a lot with people like oh it's like that, that self doubt that questioning about, or is it good enough? Uh, will people like it? And you know, I guess that comes back to the thing: don't make it for other people. But um, yeah, I would I I always say to them just. I'd be proud of your work. You make a, you spend a lot of time on it. If you don't like it, yeah, I mean, how do you expect other people to enjoy it if you're not going to enjoy it yourself? So I guess it's like that for me.
1: Absolutely. I imagine you're the kind of artist that you enjoy the process just as much as the final yeah. result. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm. I'm kind of obsessed with. Um,
0: like. I, it never ceases to amaze me how much pleasure I can get just by putting a fine liner onto a nice bit of paper. Even just drawing a straight line, I'm just, like a like um, I used the same um, I've used the same ruler, and I, it, it's become like a, like a, you know you get attached to certain objects, <laughs> and the pleasure that I get out of I've used it for all of my drawings for at least five years now, uh, and I feel like if I lost it, I'd be like, oh God. I need that ruler because it's like the perfect instrument. Uh, so I get a lot of in pleasure out of just creating lines, and with, especially with fine lines. So it's something I get. that goes to the core of um, creating stuff.
1: So I really like your attitude. I like how you're you're relaxed in your art, but you're not like oh you don't care. You're very you very much care about it, but you're also very relaxed in terms mm-hmm. of like you're not caught up on everybody else's opinion and you're not caught up on like, oh, it has to be this because it'll fit in this kind of mould for this particular site. Or like, I like that. I think that's really nice to hear.
0: I guess um, it, it is because because of the reasons we were talking about with, with the illustrative aspect. Um, it's it's become that point where it's like, I've, I've used the, I use the level at which I've got to drawing to try and explain it. And I think anything, I like to just, the way I create art is like, it's, I don't want to just make it about one subject, because that's not the way I think. Because if you think about the world, it's full of contradictions that all intertwine and lot. and I don't, um, so I kind of, sometimes I can be criticised for making it about too many things, which makes it kind of, um. Uh, a mix, a mess to sort of unpick. But uh, for me, that's how my my head works. so I don't. I like to make it about everything. So then it's, um, yeah, I feel relaxed about it because sometimes it's just not for other people to understand as well. You know.
1: I think that's that's like super interesting because it's just like there's so much to unpack when you look at a piece of work you know and you can just kind of you can get, really get lost in it like lost in all the details and kind of like you notice this thing and you come back to it and you notice something different again and you probably do the same thing when you come back to a piece of work you're like oh yeah I forgot I did that yeah yeah. so yeah I think that's really it's kind of really clever and not just that I think it's also I'm just really curious about how like you don't plan it but yeah it does work out and you know it's like has it has it have you ever done have you ever made like a mark or or you know drew something and was like crap I should have done that um no and i was gonna bring this up
0: because uh you, yeah i guess it's uh you i've come we can because so comfortable with drawing at a level where it's like i mean i i used to draw and draw and draw and draw like doing figurative things like drawing anything like you would say people draw follow through yeah. so i became so comfortable with drawing things that i was like I kind of got bored with doing figurative stuff so then i just started to if i want to draw an apple i know what an apple looks like so i can just draw it straight out of my head so then i got so comfortable with that that i don't ever do any figurative drawing anymore at all uh it's all um maybe if someone asked me for the park for a laugh, but it's not something that it's not that it's not something that entertains me i like to entertain people because they're like oh wow you can really draw uh, but in, in my own practice i don't do that anymore because um it doesn't hold any entertainment for me so i i do like i draw i draw the stuff out in pencil but so that's like the first layer of of like that would be the like i will draw it out in pencil the first sort of a layer of ideas and then the second layer will be um shaping them ideas, using a different tool. Uh, it will never be the same as, I'm not just going around and copying over the pencil lines. I mean, of course, if it's a straight line, then it's a straight line, but then I'm refining them. So it almost, I would say, the drawings get drawn about five times. So I do the pencil line, um, then I go down, and so then I will like if you draw on a page with a fine liner it'll only soak up so much ink so you have to do it once twice three times four times to get the real the blackness that you want so then after and then it will it become even sharper and more defined as you build up so how important is realism in your work um do you mean as in the idea the ideas or the, the style that I draw. I guess both, but I guess more the style than the ideas. Um, I don't. I tend to veer away from it because then, um, then I'm. It feels to me then I'm sort of mimicking. Uh, there's lots of great artists out there, like I said, people that can draw anything figurative, and I felt like I once I got to that level, I felt it like had no more interest for me so then i don't want to create things that look realistic because anyone can do that once you get to a, but anyone that's that draws that is a, to a level if you know what i mean yeah the, the level that i would expect people to say oh listen i'm i'm, I'm an artist i can draw things that are that are going to look like what they look like um and so for me that holds no holds no interest because i i find it more interesting if i can just If it just comes out of my head and that's the state that it gets formed into rather than me taking it out of the world it goes so so maybe it comes in my eyes changes in my brain and then goes into the picture rather than me create i mean i know that's what happens when you create a drawing but you're trying to represent something that's in the world rather than me making my brain explain it without actually looking at something
1: So that's like super, I'm going to say interesting a lot, but that's like super interesting because it kind of makes you think that like, because you know how to do things realistically, it's almost like you're kind of destroying the the pictorial representation of something to make it more abstract because it's more about psychology and more about philosophy Mm. as opposed to the actual thing. It's more about the idea behind the representation as opposed to the actual representation. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's yeah and then I guess it for it's it gives like a second life yeah. to an object in a different way it's creating it in a it's created it um, in its own right if you know if, if that makes sense it's uh, it's it's no longer the, it's the object but it's no longer the object as well it's it's taken a completely and to draw
1: it have you this is kind of quite a random aside but um just i just thinking about because you said that like have you ever read um because actually it might be quite interesting that uh anything by jean Baudrillard. oh yeah, yeah 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 it makes me think of like hyperreality and the simulation theory and this kind of idea of, mm. of kind of the idea of the object um like symbolism mm-hmm. i think that yeah that kind of reminds me of that when you said that that's quite interesting actually that's very interesting.
0: yeah i mean i i've He's he's a writer that um that I've I've thought about I've, I've put a lot of um, some of his ideas in going into my work. Uh, I don't know if I go as far into his works on that. Uh, what I remember the uh, silicrum and um, that book, but uh, I can't remember what the title is. is that it's, like up, it's on my yeah, head. It's like yeah, um, and the, there's um, they show it at the beginning of the Matrix. When he opens up the book, he's, yeah. he's selling, he's selling. I mean, it's, that's just a little anecdotal bit, but he, uh, I, I'm interested more in his work about, he, he wrote a book called, um, Utopia Deferred. And it's this, it's a, a book of short essays about, um, the world we live in and how that is going to progress and where we see ourselves. I mean, that's probably one of my favorite books. Um, and also one that I was reading recently, um, um, evil and the lucidity pact. And it's very much about, um, political systems. Um, and how every, he, he sees the politician as inherently corrupt because that is the system that we put them in for our own good because nobody really wants to deal with politics. So we, so we imbue the, the problem of having to decide on other people. Which inherently is a corrupt system because we make it that way. It's, it's, he says it's about power, but I guess he riffs on a lot of ideas yeah. that are so, so far out there that that's why I like it. It's, it's, um, a lot of my, like Deleuze and, um, and then I sort of, I kind of mix these ideas with, um, a bit of, uh, Isaac Asimov, a lot of science, sci-fi writers and yeah. yeah. Lot of stuff I'm interested
1: in, so um, cool, thanks. Interestingly, you said that um, your work revolves around the philosoph- philosophical just questions that arise from our fundamental interaction with the material world. Um, can you talk a bit about that kind of idea of why is philosophy so important to you and your work, and how do you integrate it into your work without being too kind of like oh, you need to it means this and it means that?
0: Um, I integrate it
1: by creating uh
0: i think i i have to i have to create worlds that are kind of complex like the world that we actually live in so then it's almost inevitable whatever i draw that there will be some philosophy that arises okay um just by the fact that if i draw something that is so complex and i put a system in there so like Energy concerns, the future of human humanity, uh, the, the transhuman experience, what we um, the singularity, uh, a, a lot of these ideas revolve uh, that are planted in my work, um, and it, it's it's kind so, it's kind of like these are the key questions for for life. I think where are we going to go? What what are we doing? I mean the past as well I'm very much. Uh, I do love my uh, my war history, um, and just like the history of humans, the ancient history, um, and sort of how that's progressed and empires. Uh, I guess I I, I want to with my work. I kind of want to ex- tell people uh, or explain that this is a long game. Don't be caught up in. Uh, uh, Sometimes the politics of the day, uh, or I mean, there are they are important, but they're not for me because I want to look at a wider picture. Like if we can think about everything and where we see that going, rather than trying to plant yourself in one camp or do this or do that, and I want to I want to see it as a as a whole map and where that could eventually give us a, give us some sort of. And that's how I like to I put that down on the paper. Has that thing? It's uh, I think the the, that's why I call my this series the approximation series because then it also speaks to um, contradictions as well because it's an approximate way that it's an approximation of what I think, but also the world is an approximation to every what everyone thinks. Like it's in your head, in my head, everyone has an idealized idea of what they want the world to be or what they think the world should be. But it's always an approximation. um So
1: that's kind of
0: how I got to it um, as well.
1: So, yeah, that's really fascinating, though. And it kind of makes me think that there's a lot of potential in what you're doing in terms of the way that it can really kind of teach people about like a variety of different stuff kind of at once, like when you're looking at it, which is actually really kind of curious. And it's kind of like, it's really nice because it's not just, oh, you know, it's a really nice landscape and that's cool. It's really nice. It's like, you know, okay, there's a landscape, but there also could be like a hundred other different things in there. And it's kind of like, it's up to you to make the connections and then you have to kind of think about things. And it's kind of like, you que- a, you know, it's you question what you're looking at as opposed to reacting to what you look at and just be like, oh, that's nice. And I think that's kind of really interesting because it seems to be very self-serving because it makes you question the world. Mm. Um, I also, radiation
0: plays a big theme in a lot of my work. Like, it's a big thing because it's, uh, I, I like the idea of it um, just on a science level, just what it is and it, it's just that whole thing and it, everything is created through radiation. But I like the long lasting effects and, the, and the, the, the way that we sort of toy with it as human beings. We have to use certain systems and processes which will end up creating radiation, uh, but that can, we can use them for good or for bad. And it, it's like an after effect of us living, but uh, it's, and, and some of my work i made about um, how the US government uses um, uranium-tipped uh, uh, armour and put it in bullets but then where we fight when they fight wars all of this goes into the soil and then get picked up in the um, gets picked up in the weather cycle and so then they they're taking radiation around the world because that gets picked up and then it goes into the soil and then it gets spread around the globe so it's like this long after effect of what we're going to do to the planet so a lot of my work consists around this idea that eventually we'll get to that maximum point where we either have to Go into some sort of containment, or we will have to exit the Earth and wait, <laughs> and that sort of thing. So, I, I yeah. See the. So
1: sorry, can, yeah, sorry, going to continue.
0: No, I was just going to say yeah. So radiation, it, it's it's always it always has a part to play in the underlying story of what I what I make.
1: I was going to say like the word containment is a really curious word you use because your images are very contained like it's like a contained world by itself but at the same time it's also so wide open I think it's actually really amazing how you found a way to to kind of dive into so many different topics and different subjects that you really that are really you know you're really fascinated with and kind of channel them and kind of create work that actually is you know very meaningful and actually now I'm speaking to you about it it's kind of even more interesting I'm going to go back and look at them again because it's like super interesting because there's so much so many different things to look at and to think about
0: well i mean i can share so i mean because i I can share some images with you um as like the progression because in my ba i my my ba show was called containment oh and and it was kind of apt and i felt like a bit of um uh i felt like a bit of a a prophet because i i know but i kind of because everyone was like sometimes you get in the in a ba everyone's um. Uh, like I wanted to create work, like I wanted to create, and it, it sometimes isn't. Okay, just let me turn my computer. I've got to turn my yeah. So sometimes, obviously, life's not about. I mean, it is about being happy, in but it's also about everything else that comes with it. Yeah. You know, like radiation, energy concerns, how we live our lives, like. So, it's everything. It's not one thing or the other. So creating, uh, so I created this containment series where it was sort of set in the future. And the, my latest works are where we've escaped the radiated world that we live in. But my 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 works before were the world that we lived on was radiated. Um, um. So I created a series of works called containment, um, and it was based around this idea. Of how we would end up radiating the world so much that would be no know, plant matter left. Um, and then we'd end up, um, using our own bodies as protein to feed each other. And I came, I came across, so then I sort of made up this, how, how would this system work? So then I came up with this idea called the protein lottery, where, um, so we would get rid, so we would sort of socialize our existence by, uh creating a lottery that everyone so then and then this plays into my love of like history and then it comes sort of this weird socializing um socializing uh, camps for people to go and be processed for protein uh so then if your number comes up then you have to give your life for the, for the survival of humankind um almost like in um uh, what's um, contained? No, not containment. Like our uh but on a an agreed social level. So you would get dispatched, but then it also there was a hierarchy. Like the, the the people at the top would get to decide how they would do, how they would give their lives. But then if you were a working class, you'd get bundled into a chamber. Uh, so it, so that was sort of this idea of how, uh, but then that speaks to like the horrors of second world war, of course, yeah. uh, and, but how, but how we would end up socializing that system at, on an agreed level just for the fact that we would need to survive. Um, and then, so then, so then that went on and then I sort of, I do have like a bit of a trekkie as well. So, it's somewhere that always plays a part in my mind. I don't think I can ever get that out of way from my work. It's just It just lives there. Um, so, then I came up and then I was sort of thinking about, well, how would we transport people? So, I was thinking we would, it would be like a transportation system where we never leave, we never leave, uh, we never go outside because it is radiated. Um,
1: yeah. That's really fascinating, though. That's so fascinating. But it's fascinating how you've progressed the story on through, like, different series. But there's, like, a through line between them all. Like, that's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. So what are you currently working on now, then?
0: I am creating, which I've got right here, which is something that I wanted to do because in between my drawings, I... So, this is... Uh... You can't really see it. I'll show you. It's on my Instagram. It's the desert. But I, um, yeah, it's the desert. Yeah. So this is the desert that's outside of the protein lottery. And I kind of like that contradiction of you would escape um, it's like the desert. You it, The desert has many meanings. It can be a desert. I mean, desert's a natural thing. But it's also somewhere that we find quite bleak. And it's unsurvivable. Um, so this idea is just something I wanted to create. Uh, but it's like, a, cause I'm hoping at some point that I can get all of these works into a space so that can be all read at once. So this, would, I mean, cause I'm going on for like six years and be working on the same thing. So, um, so this, this is like, it almost feels like I'm making a model, um, but it's a painting of the desert, and and it kind of speaks to this idea of the, a journey, um, or like a trap, but in a way of you escape the horrors of the protein lottery. But what do you prefer, the desert or the or the or the socialized? Um, survival mechanism. Um, so it's uh, it, it's just something that I want to represent to kind of get it out of my head, you know, in a way. So it's like, well, that is the desert. That um, I get. It's got a lot of
1: metaphor. Yeah, about say yeah, because it's very kind of the the kind of metaphor reminds me kind of of life in terms of like you pick a path A or path B, and it's like you might think that path A is better, but when you're on path B, you realize actually path B is just as futile. Just as um it might not be that great as you thought it was. I think that's kind of that's like super interesting. And I like this idea of of trying to escape from somewhere only to figure out the place you're escaping to might be worse. And it's like you're not quite sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I I,
0: I wrote a little sentence underneath um that it's like the desert floor has many journeys spread across its lottery of survival, many paths ending death, and for the lucky ones suffering. Ah. So it's kind of like this um. It's a metaphor for life, yeah. Chris. It's, it very much seems I, so. I, I, yeah. And I, 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 it ties into I've been watching a documentary about Hemingway and uh, he his book, The Old Man in the Sea. And the old man catches this big uh, fish, but then by the time he gets it back into port, um, poor, it's been eaten because he's so big that he has to strap to the side of the boat. It's like that metaphor for life, you you create a big achievement but by the time he's got back to port, there's nothing to show for it uh and i kind of like it was sort of uh, it got me thinking around ideas that sort of that sort of it it's the beauty of what life can be but also
1: it can be futile in a sense like that's it i've never heard of that that's a really interesting analogy um i'm gonna what's that let me write that down because that's really interesting. That... The thing is, I,
0: I haven't actually read the book myself. Which, I, but now I've seen, it, I am going to have to go and read it. But the the narrator of the documentary it explains that, and because Hemingway wrote it at the end of his life, of like one of his last great books, it was kind of him reflecting. on his Yeah, book but life. I
1: say, I imagine it'd be like somewhat autobiographical. But even whether it's intentional yeah, or not, yeah. but I think visually, that's really kind of it has really good visuals. Um, And it makes me think of some cool images I can shoot. Um, But yeah, that's really interesting in terms of like, I think actually it speaks to a lot of, actually it speaks to a lot of artists, I guess, in terms of like, you don't ever quite know if what you're doing, you'll achieve that success you're reaching. But then at the same time, you should just enjoy the process because even if you don't reach that quote unquote success, you're still enjoying yourself whilst you're doing it. Because I think a lot of people kind of have higher expectations or like, you know, they kind of, Yeah, I think you know they kind of they have an expectation, and um, when they don't really see that being met, they're kind of a bit defeated, or they're a bit deflated, or they kind of you know they feel a bit lost. Um, and actually, I guess, um, have you ever felt like that in terms of your work, in terms of kind of like being lost in the endless sea of content?
0: Um, content, as
1: in, um, what do you mean by content? content being people creating work whether that's art or not which is kind of the idea that that the art market is potentially oversaturated
0: oh yeah um yeah yeah all the time and i i i mean i don't i don't feel that for myself because i (laughs) it's like i i someone once said to my me that they feel like my work sort of is like outsider art. Because it's this weird, like it's this thing that I consume myself with over months, and it's and it's like I think some people can't actually believe. um, Did you actually sit down and do this? Because it's so far out of it's so far out of what they the realms of what they think is possible that it 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 feels to them like I must be mad. (laughs) So so that's kind of it. Kind of says that I do that because like it goes with the questions we were talking about earlier about I want to go over and above what anyone else was thinking was even possible to look at in a way because I feel um, I mean all of the great artists in history I find that sometimes people get lost in this thing it's like oh quick turnover Yeah. Like, but then where's the passion Uh, and I, I feel like a lot of people lose that and because of the art market in that way they're always on that hamster wheel of the grind of oh I've got to create a new work I've got to create a new work oh um, people aren't seeing me on social media um, and then I feel like it gets lost so that's why I create these works that are sort of intense because then it's then it kind of is for no one but me and then I can't get lost in that um, that world of is this going to be successful is it not um, I sort of get I guess I've got this belief that eventually it will. I don't, I don't know when that'll be. I might be dead. One day. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it, that's what I've always had in the back of my mind. As long as I create something that I'm happy with, I don't, I, I mean, it would be great. But I've already had a working life before this. Um, so that was always what I, I mean, I, I was always kind of working class and I've always done like, like working class jobs. I was a gardener. I've worked in factories. Um, so uh, that's that is reality to me. This is just this is like the um, I don't know. It's kind of like a dream, you know. So I don't know if I that I can that I've got to a point where I can make work and it can be well received, and I can just even talk to people about about my own work. that's that was kind of all the dream, and now I've
1: got to there. It's like well, I'm kind of happy, you know. <laughs> So yeah. how do you think that your personality affects the art you create? Um how does my personal? I
0: mean I don't know if there is a separation, you know. Um, my personalities. Um yeah, I would say I'm a bit obsessive about my work, but then sometimes I'm not. I'm a bit it's, um, it's because I, I've got this thing where it's like, I, I don't know if I like to explain it like lateral thinking, where I, I want to try and connect so many things all at once. And I guess I live my life like that. And sometimes it can be a bit chaotic because you, you, you can, you're trying to see so many different sides to everything that sometimes you get lost in some sort of directional goal, which it, this plays out well in my drawings, maybe not so well in life. But uh um I um yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it, it's basically my personality on a page. Uh uh because it's um yeah, I can't I don't know if I separate the two at all. Uh it's it's about my obsessions and my passions and and, and all of that. So yeah, I don't know if there is a separation or um I'm quite dyslexic as well, which I kind of find is like a superpower uh, as an artist um, because it helps me think and look at things in different ways that other people don't see.
1: See, that's really curious because I interviewed somebody a couple of weeks ago and they're also dyslexic and they also do really detailed work as well. Um, So that's actually a really interesting correlation because it was by obviously just by chance. Um, but that's kind of interesting, actually, because his work is the same in terms of he spends, I'll send you his work later. So I have a question from mm-hmm. him for you. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, that's kind of really interesting to think about in terms of like the way you see the world and the way you make sense of the world, maybe because things are the way you see things differently. And like how detail is more, maybe more important to you than it would be to other people or connecting things are more important to you than it is to other people. Uh, that's actually
0: really interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah, um, it's it was something that because I went to school in the late eighties, it wasn't kind of um, picked up on so much. And then when I, I mean, I, I kind of, I kind of fumbled through school. I was very good at art; it was the only subject. And then I just went straight into working life. And then, um, and then when I got to university, they made me take a test. And it was just like the, the it, it kind of was like a relief. Um, but then an acceptance. Cause then I would talk to other artists, like, uh, and they were like, yeah, this is, it was very common. So then I kind of felt like I wasn't alone. Um, it was more of an acceptance and then a more of like, actually, it's more, I mean, it, it has struggles for me on a daily basis within life. Yeah. But if you're going to talk about it within the art sense. It kind of is like a superpower. Uh, like the more dyslexic you are, the better you are. At, uh, yeah, I would say. A lot of people would be like, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know whether I would like to do the trade-off. You know, I've always said to myself, well, would I like to have an easier life? Because having this like severe dyslexia in the real world creates a lot of problems. Yeah, of course. But what I trade? Would I trade that off for not? Being
1: able to make art the way I do—that's <laughs> well, really interesting. I'm gonna um, definitely link you two up just in case you want to talk, or just in case yeah, you're yeah, interested, like 100, yeah. like 100. I'm gonna message him straight after this actually and send him your work, mm. um, and I'll send okay. him. Uh, I've got a question from him for you later, and I'll send him your answer because I like doing that to people. Um, so yeah. going back to something you are talking about earlier in terms of like the system of art in terms of galleries and stuff. Like, so what is your what are your opinions on kind of like the um, quote unquote system of art and the way you know you you know you're supposed to be an artist and so you're supposed to exhibit work like what are your thoughts and opinions
0: um i mean it can be very hard and it can be very much who you know uh how much time and money you have um uh it's uh i i I mean i I don't want uh, to, because we we talk about this all a lot. Because I go to the RCA, it's, it's an expensive place, and it's regarded as the top university in the world for art design. So then you come up with a clash like, like I'm from a working class background, and I kind of like stumbled into this. And then they were like, oh, you should just go here. And then my tutor suggested that I apply, and he helped me with the application. So I uh, so then I just went because he. Because he suggested I go, I didn't look it up. I yeah. didn't, but a lot of the people that I go there with um, did look it up, and they are from different countries, and they did just say, "Oh, well, what's rated the number one place?" Mm. So then that can have a knock-on effect of, well, then it becomes money, and I guess the system of galleries works in that way as well, because it can be very hard to uh, exhibit your work and make works and. Um, and have that sort of. You have to have a lot of time and financial backing to kind of get yourself into. This. Unless you become lucky and someone wants to pick up your work, it's uh, it's um, it's not very community based. I would say. Like I was talking to you earlier about having the community from you and your university and the people you meet. The gallery systems is like it seems to me a very. Um, like it's a it's a very uh, isolated thing where they either want to pick up your work or they don't, um, and it, it seems to me a bit random. And what they like? Do they just want abstracts? Do they just want figurative paintings? And are they catering to people that sometimes maybe don't know about art, just want pretty pictures on their wall? So it can be very hard thing to battle against. Um, and I and I had a conversation with my friend, like I was saying earlier about. I kind of don't want to be involved in that because I, I don't think they represent me and i don't represent them in a way and i don't make work but, um i don't make my work thinking oh it could be in this gallery because I, I sometimes i just don't think it fits anyway um uh, for me i don't know if that's me being a bit exclusive uh, excluding my own work from it but I just don't see my work fitting with a lot of the galleries that I see in London. Um but but then it, it's um like the university shows are always great because then you've got a lot of like-minded people that are from the university based but what happens once they uh, exit the university um I don't know I w- I will, I will maybe get back to you once I've had a little bit more experience of that because it's it's I mean I could change my view and then this gallery might say, "Oh, we really like your work. We're going to put it up." But um, I don't know. So what? I, I kind of I don't want to be too
1: cynical, but sometimes I guess I am. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, I think being cynical is um, my default mode. So absolutely, mm. I can understand that.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so what kind of inspired you to participate in the other art fair? And kind of what was your experience with that?
0: Well, we. <laughs> My, I saw it on the thing and I thought well it can't be a bad idea it was quite expensive for me as an artist so me and my friends shared a booth um, I found it I found it overly, overly expensive for me um, and I felt like my art wouldn't, didn't really fit into the fair and, and nor did my friends either because we're we both make work. We are from the Royal College, so it's very much about that process. We think about the work and, and it has that under it has that base philosophy behind everything we do. And uh, when we got there, I realized that it's called a fair for a reason. Um, and it was a lot of the people that sold works, um, which is great. I mean, I, I don't ever grudge <laughs> anyone selling work, but it was. It was more very just like your standard pictorial stuff, like sometimes um, like I don't want to say gimmicks, but you know, like um, painting famous people, uh, pictures of trees, your standard abstract art. There mean, some really amazing works there as well, but I guess it was it was it felt more commercialized um, in a way that our art, it's kind of. It needs an art crowd. It needs an art crowd that are have maybe this is where maybe it breaks down between having an education in art or being um, having that understanding. There's a separation sometimes between being at an art fair and like so our works may be better suited for exhibitions rather than at a place where the sole goal is to sell work. Um, which would have been nice, but I kind of didn't want to sell work anyway. I wanted to sell prints. I didn't want to sell. <laughs> this is funny. And I realized this was a mistake and I could have, but I, I kind of didn't want to sell the three because they are part of a um, larger narrative. Yeah. And I really I priced them like, I, I priced them at about 5,000 each. But even a lot of the people that I spoke to said that's too low. Yeah. For what they are.
1: Yeah, I would agree They're with way that. Way
0: too low. But, I mean, obviously, I've got pressures of student loans, rent. So it's kind of, you get pushed into it. But I thought five was low enough. But that was also too high for the fare. Because then it's like, I was, I found myself explaining away how long these take to justify the price. And I didn't really want to do that. But it's
1: like, you can just look at it and say, it's going to have taken that long. No, why do you need to justify yeah. it? You can say that in the detail. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but it, it kind of feels because you know it's that old thing where people want sometimes people want works for nothing oh well yeah absolutely <laughs> the yeah possible, it's yeah. that it's, yeah it's that whole thing I mean, and I mean of course I could have gone there and just painted 50 abstracts that meant nothing um, but I don't I mean I I would say it worked because I met lo- loads of great people nice contacts I mean uh, I've been this interview you- with you it came yeah it, it comes with certain things but uh it goes back to that thing with money if you if you can afford the luxury to do this all the time and i guess you're gonna sell work but for me it was a little bit too expensive and maybe that was something that i'll reconsider next
1: time so i was really surprised at how expensive it was um because i was there for about six hours and i spent the six hours talking to people i spent the whole six hours talking to people um and I, I got a lot of interesting information about artists from that and I've got a few, quite a few artists actually that I'm going to interview which is cool which is why I went there in the first place because I'm not from London yeah. I live in the West Midlands so I came over just randomly on a whim um, but I think it's interesting because a lot of people that I spoke to were really worried about making money because it was so expensive to run because um, it was like £2,000 and something like that just for the for the uh, for the store and it's like I know a lot mm. of people were very kind of conscious that you know with all the framing and the printing the work that they're selling isn't even going to cover that cost. You know. So, and it's like... That concludes the first part of my interview with Alex. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please email me at theflyingfruitbowl at gmail.com. We're getting in touch by social media sites such as Instagram. Flying Fruit Bowl podcast can now be found on a variety of websites such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please consider subscribing, sharing, rating, or reviewing on either of those platforms. Also, don't forget to check out www.theflyingfruitbowl.co.uk for daily art inspiration and written interviews. If you're a creative, please get in touch if you'd like a chance to be featured interviewed. We also now have a Patreon page in case you'd like to support the platform further. Tears start at £1, so please head on over to Patreon if you're interested. Once again, thank you very much for listening to this interview today. And until next time, folks, please stay safe.